0: Jake Rowe down here tapping his head to the beat of this wonderful intro music. And what a wonderful Sunday it is, guys. Georgia's 2-0. And it was a little bit of an uncharacteristic Saturday for a lot of college football teams. Georgia not the only one. And as Kirby Smart mentioned, the dogs didn't necessarily play up to their standard. But we got two Dogs HQ staffers on our site that were at the game they grow palmer toms guys we've had a little bit of time to think about georgia's 33 nothing win over sanford what are your thoughts that are still sticking with you after the 24 hour rule is up now i'm not telling you to be happy
1: with the five score win but i'm telling you not to be unhappy about it uh it it wasn't pretty office didn't execute um uh, defense played well but um Georgia won decisively a few matches against Sanford that it should have won. Uh, it lost in you know, some situations against Sanford that it shouldn't have lost. But ultimately, you win 33 nothing in a game that was never stressful, and now it's on the SEC play where you would imagine Georgia would be just a little bit more focused.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of a little bit of a snooze fest. Um, you know, like Jake said, Georgia jumps on them early, puts up 30 in the first half. Second half, they, they only put up three. Uh, you know, you saw a little bit of the red zone woes there. Um, you know, concerns about that. But also think that it, it came to a point where, A, Kirby didn't want to run it up on Chris Hatcher. Um, the two coaches agreed to shorten the fourth quarter to 12 minutes. Samford pulled out their starting quarterback because they didn't want to, you know, put him at risk where he was going to continue to get hit and hit by Georgia's defense. That like you said, Jake played pretty well. And, and also I think Georgia didn't want to show anything, you know, they, they pulled out what they needed to, to beat Oregon. They knew that they probably wouldn't have to pull anything out to beat Samford other than get off the bus and, and pull out the uniforms. Uh, and, and so now, like you said, rolling into SEC play uh, big one down in Columbia. Yeah, you
0: mentioned the things that uh, Georgia felt like maybe they could hide, maybe they didn't need to show a ton. One of the things that Kirby said after the game that Georgia basically hid was AD Mitchell. He said he didn't need to come back after that first quarter ankle injury. Uh, Jake, when we spoke last after the game last night, we still seem to think that it could be severe. Kirby, you know, refuted that somewhat since we spoke. But what's the latest y'all have heard about AD Mitchell?
2: Jake you're muted sorry haven't
1: I haven't heard a ton uh, uh but I'll say this i I take what Kirby says I don't not necessarily with a grain of salt but but I'm cautious about it uh you know just because I don't know it just doesn't sit right with me and, and listen this is not you know old Jake's just you know trying to tell us what he's heard I, I'm not I haven't heard a thing and I've tried to check on it um it didn't sit right with me that he didn't come back to the sideline
2: bingo and,
1: and that to me is is kind of i don't know that just kind of is, is weird to me now maybe maybe he did maybe re- we didn't see him maybe he didn't come back out with the jersey on maybe he had a hoodie on i don't know uh but but to me the fact that if he didn't come back to the sideline that's just weird to me and i just don't think that's a great sign
2: yeah, Jake, we know we know that they're uh, pretty good at trying to uh, go cloak and dagger on us, don't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I'm with you there, where it didn't sit super well with me <clears> that he didn't come back out to the sidelines. Um, if, if that's the case, um, you know, because if, if Kirby says, "Oh, he was fine," we thought he could have gone. Well, then where was he? Is is my next question, and probably should have asked it. Um, you know, and, and I think that also, um, you know, maybe it's just that it's the start of SEC play. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's what we should expect. Maybe it has something to do with this injury, but we're not uh, expected to see any practice this week. And, uh, you know, to me, until I see, have put, put eyes on A.D. Mitchell on a football field again, suited up in red and black, I, I think that there's reason to be at least, um, you know, not, I wouldn't necessarily say concerned, uh, but be aware that it's a situation worth monitoring.
0: So even without A. D. Mitchell yesterday, he finished with one catch, but he wasn't the only Georgia player that had one catch. Uh, at least was was it ten other Georgia players had at least one catch against Sanford yesterday? Uh, make of that what you will. More, more than that, more Stinson, than that. Even in a pretty down day for him, was able to distribute the ball. And Georgia's offense, as a whole, after Carson Beck went in, continued to distribute the ball. I don't know if you can fully, you know, compensate for Ad Mitchell's injury by spreading the ball around like that, but that at least gave you guys, I imagine, some sort of glimpse of of names like Dylan Bell that could fill in. Uh, we saw a lot of Jackson Meeks more than we normally do. What did you take away from the reserves? You know, I
1: I really thought Jackson Meeks looked good. Um, you know, I thought he did some good things. I thought Dylan Bell did some good things. Mars Marks getting his getting his feet wet. Oscar Delp, um, you know, had a chance at one ball, maybe got there a little late. Uh, but but I really I really like what I saw out of Jackson Meeks. I think more than anybody, just because you know he had a couple of catches there, one near the sideline where I thought that 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 was an easy catch. You know, especially catching it, getting your feet in bounds. Um, but but he's a guy that. You know, listen, when Georgia recruited him, it was kind of like, what? What are they doing? Um, and, and you know, he's he's kind of turning out to be a little bit of a productive player, and, and he's in the rotation. Um, if A.D. Mitchell can't go, I think Jackson Meeks is going to be a guy you need to look out for.
2: Yeah, for me, it would have been Dylan Bell. Um, you know, I, I, I did have put him on my radar uh, as, as players to watch. I kind of felt like, that we had heard so much about Dylan in this preseason, the buildup to it, that the next step in that progression was a strong showing in a, in a game. Um, You know, didn't, didn't necessarily expect that against Oregon, but I think in in a game like this, um, you know, I I thought back to the 2019 season um, against Murray state, George Pickens had a really good game against Arkansas state. Dominic Blaylock had a really good game. Both those guys were true freshmen those years. Um, And and I kind of thought that that could be the case this year for Dylan against Samford and um, obviously has the touchdown three catches 22 yards and the only receiving score of the day. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he, he stood out to me as somebody that, um, you know, if, if Georgia is going to be missing Ad Mitchell um, you know, I think that bell is going to be one of those guys along with Morissette, along with Meeks, uh, guys that are going to have to step into bigger roles, and and I think Kirby has kind of hinted at that all along. That uh, you know th- that they're not going to get through this season unscathed at wide receiver. Um, we're, we're seeing that. We saw that already in the preseason with Arian Smith going down. We're seeing that again here with Ad Mitchell's health a little bit of a concern. And uh, you know they, they need guys like those t- three that we just mentioned to step up into uh, depth roles. Uh, We've got our perennial, our
0: annual, our weekly, daily Titan here, Glenn Hartley, in the comments out of Vidalia, Georgia. Go, dogs. Defense looks good. So let's follow Glenn's lead here, guys. Uh, The strength of this team was supposed to be the offense. Through uh, two games now, though, Georgia's defense has only given up three points. Obviously, that means no touchdowns. Yes, obviously, one of those points with Sanford. Uh, but say what you will about that, Georgia's defense looks like it, they're not really missing a beat. Not even
1: giving up a safety a game. I mean, think about that. I mean, a point and a half a game. Defense does look good. It looks fast. Um, I don't know that they've necessarily been, you know, challenged. Um, You know, and that's the guy right there in that photo uh, on the left, Xavier Sori. I mean, I know Smile Mundin stepped up, but Xavier Sori is a guy – that I think he's going to be way more of a household name by the end of the year. When I went back and watched the game for the report card, um, I saw number eighteen like moving at a little bit of a different speed. Um, he kind of he he kind of lit some guys up during preseason camp um, to the point that a few of them kind of missed a practice here or there because they got their bell rung. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that you need to keep an eye on, but yeah, the defense looks great, you know, and listen, the offense is scoring. I don't know. What is it? Uh, 41 points a game at this point. So Stetson it's not chopped 300 liver.
0: yards yesterday.
1: Right. Yeah. It's not chopped liver either, but, uh, you know, and, and, I, you know, the, the unfocused effort and the, and the crappy first half, second half, uh, notwithstanding, um, I, I think Georgia's got a lot of talent on his football team. They're going to be good on both sides of the
3: ball. Yeah. Or who stood
0: out to you as you had a chance to re-watch the game uh, or maybe go back through your notes a little bit? Who's jumping off the page that uh, surprised you or kind of snuck up on you in real time?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the guy on the right there, and that being Smile Munden. Um, looking at the snap counts for the second straight week, he's played the most among those inside mm-hmm. linebackers, and, and, and that's a position that – we are watching because of what Georgia loses. Uh, And, and I think that I agree with you, Jake, that I think sorry is, is going to be more of a household name. I think that those two came into Georgia with big expectations together, same recruiting class, both very highly touted guys out of high school. Um, And and I think that there's a chance that both of them um, are, are, you know, in an, great shape uh, after this year when it comes to entering their third season with, with potential pro uh, status, um, you know, I, and, and looking at Munden, he, he's just somebody that's so athletic, um, you know, has, has a little bit of an Channing Tindall remind, reminds me of Channing Tindall a little bit there where he can get out in space. Sorry too. I mean, sorry was an outside linebacker coming into Georgia, uh, but Munden super athletic, a guy that has been praised for that athleticism by Kirby Smart. And we know that Smart has seen a lot of linebackers. So, um, you know, he's somebody that has stood out. And then, obviously, uh, you know, I I wrote it in Rest and React. Um, I I think that it was on everybody's bingo card for Georgia that Michael Williams getting getting the first sack of the season. I don't think that that was out of the realm of possibility. But I also don't think that we expected to go seven quarters without seeing one. Um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the offenses that they're going up against, the the priority of getting the ball out quick. Uh, but certainly, uh, as as the season goes along, interested to see if Georgia's going to up that sack production uh, and and kind of you know challenge what they did last year because that was such a big component of what they did.
0: Palmer, you wrote, uh, and Jake and I spoke about this last night in post game show. You wrote about how after sitting on it for a little bit. The emotions, the letdown maybe of Georgia only winning 33 to nothing, maybe not as drastic or as dire as fans may have thought last night. I think Stetson Bennett may be worth examining again under that lens. Y'all have had some time to think about it. What are your takeaways about Stetson Bennett after that amazing game against Oregon that put him on the Heisman contender map, and then yesterday kind of had some head-scratcher moments and some off-throws? Jake, you're muted. Actually,
1: I'm muted again. I normally don't mute, but uh, I'm in this new house, and we've got all sorts of stuff. Yeah, going we're gonna on have right a now. we're gonna
0: start doing the the uh, mute mic dollar in the jar. I think.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's two for me tonight. Um, little good, little bad uh, for Stetson, and I think the bad was accentuated by when it happened. Um, right off the bat, you know, you look at. Uh, you look at missing Jackson Meeks for what would have been a long touch, touchdown on maybe the fourth play of the game, um, and that was just after hitting Jackson Meeks on a nice quick slant to uh, to pick up a first down, to pick up a third you know, th- on, on third down, um, and then the next two uh, the, the next drive. I'm sorry, he missed back to back passes, overshot Brock Bowers, somehow overshot Darnell Washington. Um, and and those were chances for Georgia to go up 14 nothing, seize momentum in that game. And guys, we're probably feeling a lot different about that game if Georgia's up 38 nothing at half. You know, you sit there 38 nothing at a half, you're like, all right, well, you're on pace to score 76 points. Well, that that didn't happen. They were on 30 to nothing, then they only put three in the, up in the second half. You put three up in the second half and beat Sanford 41 nothing. You're in the 40s. It looks good. That's what you're averaging right now. And, and you know, I just – I don't know. I feel like Kirby kind of made that point after the game, and I got to echo it. Um, you know, listen, Stetson wasn't horrible. He threw for 300 yards. He should have against Sanford. Um, it was more than I thought he would have thrown for. But, you know, that rollout ball to Ladd McConkie for 37 yards was a dime. Uh, you know, he hit Brock Bowers, who made a really nice catch for him on a really good play. He hit Karras Jackson near the sideline right before the half. He did some good things, but he, he had some head scratching moments. That sack was one of them. You know, that one where he reversed his field, Sanford played it well. He ran right into it. So it's, uh, we know how good he's capable of being.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That sack specifically was something that I thought about a lot because Stetson kind of talked about that after the Oregon game, saying that. You know his his throw to Lad in in that game. You know where he escaped pressure. The highlight reel. Everybody wants to make that his Heisman moment already. Um, you know he said that that at the same time he probably should have just thrown that ball away, gotten to second down, second and goal, and and punched it in. Uh, you know that way as opposed to risk in a sack. Um, you know, but ultimately he scored a touchdown there. Uh, he he paid for it against Samford, and I think that that's a learning moment. Um, you know, I think that he has obviously experienced that before. He knows that he should have done something that he didn't do. Uh, and, and I think that that comes with, you know, maybe being a little bit n- not as locked in in this game. Um, you know, as a team, I think that it's really hard to get up uh, for two games in a row like this, especially you know, after you had so much buildup for that Georgia Oregon game all offseason. Uh, you, you, you got the buildup of wanting to prove people wrong. You come back to home. It, it's a gross day out, you know, not a lot of fan excitement. Um, and, and you, you know, are playing an inferior opponent. Um, you know, I, I think that, and we've talked about this a couple times here. It's interesting that George is not playing a home SEC game until October against mm-hmm. Auburn. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, it, would it surprise me if Georgia had a similar showing uh, like they did against Samford against Kent State here in a couple weeks. weeks? Um, it, it probably wouldn't surprise me. But I also think that Kirby is probably going to point back to this Samford game, uh, you know, all throughout the season and say, hey, you know, we got to come out. We got to we got to play uh, if, if we're not going to be able to, you know, do what we want to do, be who we want to be if, if we're not completely focused. So, um, you know, that, that, that sack is a microcosm of that, uh, you know, cost Georgia three points there, um, at least. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, but you, like, like you said, Jake, I, I think that there's a lot of good that happened as well. Um, hard to knock somebody that throws for 300 yards for a second straight game.
0: Yeah, it is. And with the bar that's Stetson set against Oregon, it was going to be very difficult to match up to it. I don't even know if it's as extreme as, you know, the Oregon game was as good as Stetson can be. Sanford is as bad as he can be, and the real Stetson's in the middle. I think it's easy at this point anyway, just to chalk it up to a rough game. Tough showing, uh, bad day at the office. Everyone has them every now and then. And let's see what Georgia does from here, and let's see how Georgia diagnoses some of those problems that Stetson had. Um, you know, you, you bring up, the lasting results of this game or what it really means moving forward. Palmer, let's touch on that before we talk about some other stuff, start looking ahead in the week a little bit. How ultimately concerned do you feel like Georgia fans should be about this game? Because I spoke with you Saturday, Roe, after the game, and that was kind of my thing, is when you see this happen, you see one game like this, is Georgia uh, capable of, of beating themselves. That was my big question coming out of this game. Because last year, and I don't want to keep comparing this team to last year, every team is different, but we didn't really see a lot of moments last year where Georgia found themselves in a situation to beat themselves. Bama really did beat them in the SEC championship game. Georgia didn't make a lot of mistakes, and yesterday they did look a little sloppy.
1: Yeah, I I didn't see it though as a game where they could have beaten themselves. You know, they they were sloppy and they never really righted the ship. Maybe that was because of the opponent. Maybe that was because they just. I mean, guys, I don't care who you are, how mature you are, how smart you are, or how how good of mind games you can play with yourself. If you know that you can keep a team at arm's length, if you know that they're just not going to get you, then then you're gonna you're gonna react a little differently. Um, you know, I think if some if Sanford would have been challenging them, maybe they would have woke up at some point. Um, and, I, and by wake up, I don't mean that they were playing with a lack of intensity or lack of juice. It was just kind of a lack of focus and execution, that attention to detail. I, d- I mean, obviously I think Georgia's capable, just like every other team in the country, is capable of beating themselves, of playing poorly. Um, but I just don't know that you look at yesterday's game as anything other than – okay, well, maybe maybe this is what this team can do if it's not ready. But we also know what this team can do if it is, and that's what really matters.
0: I mean, look, ultimately we're talking about the number one team in the country right now, and that's just where Georgia fans are. One bad game, you start to wonder, uh-oh, are we slowing down a little bit? Let's talk about Georgia jumping Alabama to the number one spot in the AP poll, Bama the coaches poll situation. A little bit of scuttlebutt on our message board today that the coaches are scared to let Nick Saban down. I think we all know that the coaches aren't the uh, actual people filling those ballots out. They might send a text out and say, hey, this is who I got. But Georgia with, I believe, 53 votes in the number one spot in the AP poll, uh, if Kirby already was lacking in uh, rat poison to motivate the team or to come at you guys with a little bit of extra – heat on the fastball this week, the number one ranking I'm sure will be a topic of discussion.
2: Yeah, I mean, I and I, I kind of thought that we may see that outcome there with the AP poll, um, you know, with the AP poll giving Georgia the nod and the coaches giving Alabama the nod. Um, you know, got a hint at that with the Football Writers Association putting out their poll. Uh, the, the, the media there had put Georgia at one um and, and so you know was not too terribly surprised to see UGA at 1 um you know I, in all honesty i don't know that i would have made the jump just because georgia didn't look as impressive against samford as i probably would have liked to have seen um and 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 alabama you know their loss it's it's really hard to knock them for or their loss in in the mind of the voters you know they go on the road and they play uh you know a a tradition rich program in a tough environment um you know really hard to knock them um but you know overall i think that you've got to give credit to uh you know georgia for going out and getting a win i mean you know a lot of teams like, like glenn says big upsets this weekend uh you know a lot of teams didn't get that win Uh, You know, we're going to do a little bit of stock report here later and stock up for the Sun Belt.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no doubt. Stock is up and stocks up on Jake Roos as well. Welcome to the show, my man. Um, Let's let's get into this Sunday segment. We're going to call dog stocks, Jake and Jake and Palmer. Here's how it works. You don't have to do a stock up and a stock down. I just want to hear what you are the most fired up about, whether it's a player, uh, offensive, defensive scheme, uh, offensive coordinator, or a player in the NFL, if you are really passionate about one of those things stock going up or one of those things stock going down, let's hear what you got. I will start with Palmer Toms, who's in your dog stock report tonight.
2: Yeah, so I gave you a little bit of hint there mentioning the upsets this past weekend and the Sun Belt there. Uh, I am stocked down on Desmond Howard. College game day's Desmond Howard uh, put out his playoff predictions before the season with Texas A&M, Pitt, Baylor, and Michigan. Three of those four teams lost this weekend. Uh, Tough look there for Des. Uh, He had A&M winning it all. A&M goes out and loses at home this weekend to App State. Pitt, and Baylor, I'll give them a little bit of a break because they did lose to top 25 teams. Uh, but still, you know, if, if you're going to make the playoffs, you, you got to win those games. If, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to play in, in a big play, like a big stage like that, you got to win big games late in the season. And if you're not winning games now, uh, you know, why should I believe that you're going to win games late? Um, shout out to Michigan, I guess, you know, the, keeping Desmond's uh, playoff prediction. Yeah, they're alive. still in there. But uh, maybe that's a little bit of a homer take from him there.
0: Yeah, probably so. All right, uh, Jake Rowe, who
1: you got? Well, I mean, I'd like to add to Palmer, uh, Georgia Southern got a guy fired. So, I mean, that was that was another yeah. piece of little thing there too. I mean, and, and listen, got to go hard much. on Texas A&M real fast. Uh, that loss was every bit as disappointing as Nebraska's loss, even more because Texas a and is supposed to be awesome, and they're not. They're terrible. They're really bad. They were really bad last week. Um, listen, I'm going with Anthony Richardson because stock down. Uh, I mean, I listened to some podcasts, I listened to people, and folks were fawning over this kid. And honestly, he made a few plays. He made a handful of plays against Utah in a game that Florida could have lost. And I picked him to win, and I was impressed with the win. But man, he had, somebody pointed out on our board, he had more tackles than touchdowns. <laughs> And that's real bad. Yeah, that's not what you want. You know, he, he should have had another. T- I mean, if he had another tackle, maybe they win that game because he threw a pick six. So that means he didn't make a tackle. Uh, he was awful. He was terrible. Florida was terrible. Kentucky looked pretty good. Um, you don't want to talk about a team that learns to learn how to scratch and claw. And find a way. Kentucky has done that under Mark. How about Stewart. doing it
0: on the road in the swamp? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Did it when Utah could that used
0: to never happen?
1: Yeah, never. Um, but yeah, I think I think folks, the national folk need to need to pump the brakes a little bit on Anthony Richardson a little bit. He's not he's not there. And uh, stock down for him. Look, J- people J- are J-
0: very hungry to see Alabama go down. People are going to start to be very hungry to see Georgia go down. Just to make the sport more interesting. And if you're a national writer, national podcast host, I get that. But the nature of the business is you can make that prediction and no one ever has to hold you accountable to it. But Jake Rowe isn't one of those people. He's going to hold your feet to the fire. And if you loved Anthony Richardson. <laughs>
2: That's what I'm made of, Wes. That's <laughs> what I am made of.
0: Then you Hey, were wrong. Four,
2: guys. hey J- Jake mentions that pick six. Anthony Richardson mentioned it after the game saying that uh, – it reminded him Shade a little bit Georgia. of one last year. Oh, yeah. It, it, looked, it looked a lot, lot like it. It did it's look Logan a lot Dane. like it. I, I saw the tweet, and then I saw the play, and and going back watching the play, I was like, wow, that does really remind me of that same one.
0: Jake Roos, greetings. Welcome. Your mic Let is me. on. Give us your uh, stock up, stock down. What's your, your latest inside trading tip? on
3: college uh, I football got, i've got a couple i got a couple this week man i got a couple this week i i think Coming in uh, high, Peter. for first off first off stock down on uh the halftime spaces for dogs hq last week uh huge huge failure right, on let me part.
0: let me hold on hold on let me add this video to the let me add this video because it was it's one of those things that when Dogs HQ is the largest Georgia media site on the planet oh, and you know God. the show's getting a million streams every time we go on, we're going to go back and laugh. But when I find this video here, you're going to understand. But Jake, you you go ahead and share your side of things while I try to find this video clip. So, what happened?
3: Okay, so Saturday, uh, Wes hits me up. Halftime space is on. You want to come on? I say, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. You know, oh. always glad to hop on and talk. <laughs> um on my end of things Wesco's dead i I can't hear it i I hear nothing so i'm under the impression at this point that i am the sole speaker i'm the person who is having to carry the stream uh in the space uh,
2: it was ridiculous
3: as long as it goes so i'm just over here opining on anything that i possibly can think Can i can
1: i jump in here real quick (laughs) jay grew's They they do this thing in radio called a reset, okay? And they talk to you about why they're there. And Roos goes, Yeah, here you know, here we are, 30 to nothing at halftime. Oh, reset Roos. I mean, dude, he reset like four times. He was the dude was filibustering. He was doing the best he could. I mean, I thought he was gonna break out the newspaper. He he thought he was alone. And the whole time I was sitting here hearing Wes go, Yeah, I don't think Roos can hear me now, but
0: Alright, here we I, go. Here's here's the, here's I, the clip. Mute Jake right now. I don't
3: know where what happened to Wes. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, but he's out there somewhere.
0: I am here. This uh, this is like the scene in Interstellar where Matthew McConaughey's in the in the bookshelf and his daughter doesn't know it. Yeah. Classic, classic moment. Stock down. Stock down on the Dogs HQ Twitter space for sure. Good call, Roos.
3: Um, stock down on that for sure. Uh, but, hey, look, we'll get the kinks worked out. It was fun regardless. I, I'm No, you know, it I, is
0: fun. It's just you never know time, what's going to be if I uh, haunting the, time, the technical the aspects of this production here. You never can tell.
3: I'm going to say uh, I, I got two more. Uh, to me, a little Georgia note here. Stock up on Jackson Meeks. I was excited to see him involved on Saturday. Uh, I think I talked about that on the Twitter space, which is why I brought it up, to be honest with you. Works um, the sideline well. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's a guy who works the sideline well. <laughs> he does. It, you go back and watch that kid's high school tape. He was injured frequently, but I think that he's a guy who can be an impact maker for Georgia at the wide receiver position. And I encourage people to go read uh, Palmer uh, – what was the name of the the trainer? I, I forget his name. Um, the guy out of Atlanta. Um, anyway, Palmer did a great story. Palmer did a
0: feature with yeah,
3: the, and, with the I, and receiver's I'm forgetting trainer. his name now too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Palmer did a great feature on uh, the guy working with the George wide receivers in the offseason. Um, and uh, you know, Jackson Meeks was a guy he pointed to that he thought was taking some steps forward. Thought that was cool to see. Um, uh, so stock up on him. But my big one, stock up on. Uh, being the asset manager of Scott Frost, um, mm. uh, buddy, it's a good day in the Scott Frost household. It's not ideal. I mean, you don't want to be fired, right? But uh, my man got a, a like another what seven million for uh, getting fired before October. So uh, big stock up when you're talking about Scott Frost bank account.
0: Uh, Way to turn the Scott Frost firing into a stock up. That's you know coming in pretty strong here in your first dog stock report. Good job, guys. Uh, Steph, my stock Steph up.
2: Brown. Steph Brown is the name of Steph the. Brown, uh,
1: that's right. That's right. Yep. Hey, Scott Frost, can I hold a dollar? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ain't no doubt.
0: Ain't no doubt. I'm going stock up on DeAndre Swift. Big day for the dogs in the NFL. I'm sure we'll get to Trayvon Walker in a moment. But DeAndre Swift today becomes the first Detroit Lions running back to rush for 100 yards in a season opener since Barry Sanders in 1996. DeAndre Swift is a guy that we all said looked like a pro back when he was at Georgia, and he's on the Lions. Always a struggle when you're trying to make uh, make your living playing for Detroit and in Detroit, but Swift got it done today. If you've been watching Hard Knocks, you know how serious he is about this season, how much he's pushing himself with Coach Deuce Staley, which is a pretty cool connection for us this week with South Carolina coming up. But Swift said he wanted to be the uh, running back this season to eclipse 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. There aren't a lot of guys in NFL history that have done it. Only three other players can say they've done it. Maybe that's too high of a goal for Swift, but he is well on his way, at least in the rushing category, after today's performance against the Eagles. Pretty solid stuff.
3: Shout that out would to my Fantasy team. To- Shout out to Guno on our board, too, for saying uh, the other day, and I hadn't even thought about it. Think about DeAndre Swift working under Todd Munkin, man. I feel like he would be a perfect fit for what Georgia's doing offensively right now.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a good hypothetical that we could spend another hour talking about. But uh, basically, the, the question was, which starting Georgia quarterback within the last, I think it was 10, 15 years or whatever it was, would have benefited the most playing for Todd Munkin or playing in Todd Munkin's offense based on how he runs the show. I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I my gut told me Matthew Stafford because of Sean Moreno, and he, he did have Massaqua and A.J. Green at his disposal too. The tight end talent at the time, no disrespect to those guys, just not kind of up to the standard of what Georgia's tight ends are right now. So it's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah that, one, uh, what, that
1: one is a good one. I, I, it, what was the time frame
3: again? 2000 to present?
0: I think it was from 2000 to now. So basically yeah. starting with Corey Phillips, uh, David <laughs> Green.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would i would say – I would probably say, even if it was just for one year, DJ Shockley. Because um, I think Munkin would have done a really good job with with his physical skill set in the run game. Um I think I said I think DJ Shockley is a guy that you know might have had a big enough year that you know that that he didn't get ignored in the draft process and and may have gotten drafted a little higher maybe a little bit better opportunity to do
0: something.
3: I yeah, would. Mobility uh, that, would
0: definitely help. Um, I did that. mention Trayvon Walker's big day. The Jags lose to the Commanders, but uh, Trayvon has one sack, one forced fumble, one interception. We can't show the highlights. Uh, that interception Fox, was sick. Or I guess it was CBS would would sue us into the ground. But definitely go uh, look up the highlights from Trayvon today. Just amazing stuff. If anyone was doubting whether or not that guy was a number one pick, they're not admitting it right now. I don't think.
2: Tyson Campbell also with a pick in that game too.
0: Yeah, How do they finish. lose, man,
3: especially
2: yeah.
0: to the Commanders?
3: Well, did you see that last throw? Because they're
2: that the was... Jags. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, I, I excited to see that for Trayvon, man. Great to see it for a, a, a guy, number one pick. You know, people argued a lot about the Aiden Hutchinson thing, and, and you know, I mean, that'll be an ongoing th- thing throughout their careers, but good to see that for Trayvon, man. Happy to.
2: And, hey, while we're talking uh, dogs in the NFL Unfortunately, his he he got a win today, but uh, but the, but the New, Athens North New York Giants get the win over the Titans with Tay Crowder putting the lay in the lumber on Derrick Henry on oh, tractor Seto. tractor Seto.
0: Yeah, Palmer's a Titans guy. I don't know if the Jakes or myself will claim the Falcons, but that was pretty Falcons esque today.
3: It was, it was beautiful. It was, it was everything you expect it to be every single time.
0: Yeah. Just a beautiful train wreck. All right, guys. Uh, we will definitely get more into Georgia, South Carolina later on this week, our Wednesday night live show. Appreciate y'all tuning in. But before we end tonight's show, any big picture thoughts as we get into South Carolina week, noon kickoff in Columbia, it is going to be a thousand degrees.
3: I feel good about Georgia in this one. I, I think probably everybody's going to say the same. But like you said, to me, the weather is the factor. Um, you know, is if it's not raining, it's going to be Seems hot. Seems like a
0: good hell. wet ball week.
3: It's going to be hot as hell if, it, if it's not. And uh, it's going to teach you a lot about where Georgia's at conditioning-wise. And I think that that's probably something they, they haven't had to deal with to this point in the year. Um, but that Columbia sun hits different. So uh, really looking forward to seeing if that's going to be the case on Saturday.
1: Uh inter- intermittent throughout this big green and blue ball we live on. There are different ways, different portals to get to hell. Columbia's built over one of them. <laughs> That's a hot place, dude. Uh, I'm so glad I'm going to be walking to that stadium at about 9 a.m., 8.30 a.m., because it's going to be a burner. Uh, you know, the, I I think Georgia's better, better suited to deal with that because of depth. Um, but I think it all comes down to Spencer Rattler. Georgia's got one sack in two games. They've got to get to Spencer Rattler, and they've got to get to him early um, because Arkansas did, and uh, I think that's going to be a big key in that game.
2: I'll believe it when I see it, but right now temperature says high of 85 on Saturday in Columbia. Like I said, I'll believe it when I see it. It's probably Celsius. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but for me, this week is all about figuring out who your pass catchers can be. If AD can go, uh, if he can't go, I think it's time to unleash the tight ends. Feel like we still haven't seen the, the you know fullest extent of what they can do, and I think that that's by design that, that Georgia's is going to hold that back until they have to unleash those that those uh, wrecking balls.
0: Yep, Uh, shout-out to Jake and Palmer at the game on Saturday. Best of luck, best wishes on the travels, and shout-out to our fearless intern, Jack Matheson, who got a pretty sweet video from the sidelines of Georgia's first game back between the Hedges as defending national champions. Uh, Just an exciting day all around on campus for Georgia, even though it wasn't as electric- on the field as we predicted. Always good to be in Athens for a Georgia Saturday. Guys, uh, appreciate your time this evening. Still take advantage of the $1 for one year promo at dogshq.com. If you aren't already, you are missing out. And uh, appreciate y'all tuning in and listening. We'll catch you in a few days. Peace.